0: Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. We have a clear mission to create an inclusive and diverse community that enables individuals to unlock their potential and develop their career. Today, we're chatting with Lizzie Hyron in one of the special podcast series on Leaders Life Stories. Morning, Lizzie.
1: Hi Ian, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Really looking forward to this podcast. So obviously we, we do know each other um we've worked with each other on a on a couple of different projects um yeah. and we were lucky enough to have you involved in future leaders from the very beginning so you know a lot about us and we know a little bit about you yeah um but i'm hoping the sort of questions we've got prepared today get us under the skin a little bit more we get to know you even more than we do today and our listeners get to get to know you even better as well so i'm really looking forward to this one cool me too Um, So getting straight into the the first question then, Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what your role is today.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm Lizzie, I am uh, a mum, I am a wife, Uh, I live in the Cotswolds, I um, am 40-something and we'll leave it at (laughs) 40-something. Um, I I currently work for Mid-Counties Cooperative as the Chief Operating Officer for their utilities business. So in there I look after um, energy, telecoms and our employee benefits um, type offering. Uh, Great organisation, been with them for two years. Uh, very much values-led ethical organization really all about doing the right thing by members and customers ultimately as a cooperative society they're owned by their members so it's, it's a slightly different dynamic to perhaps a shareholder or a more corporate environment but great organization great team with you know great uh, aspirations for the future as well.
0: Cool. Okay. It's good. Good intro. Thanks. Um, so going right back to the beginning then, Lizzie, mm-hmm. thinking about yeah. sort of what you can remember. Tell us what your very first memory is of growing up.
1: Yeah, do you know? I was re- I really racked my brains on this because it's re- it gets a bit foggy, doesn't it, when it's that oh. far away? Um, I think my first real memory is I was brought up in uh, Westgate by just outside Margate in Kent, and we used to have a beach hut. And my proper oh, wow. memory, I think, is is having just really long, lovely family days in the beach hut where mum would be in and out of there making tea and sandwiches and you'd be playing around in the in the on the beach and into the sea and your sandwiches always had a little bit of sand in them. <laughs> um, and I think I really just love that that smell of the sea and the sand and the summer is is probably the first one that's really clear in my memory, probably a, a sort of a young toddler type age.
0: Wow. That that does so that really kind of brings loads of visions into my head, actually. You know, sunshine and sand and yeah. and those sorts of things. Um yeah. so you don't have a much of a Margate accent going <laughs> on there, Lizzie. How how come?
1: Well, so we lived in Margate till I was um sort of 16, 17, and then my parents moved to M- mid-Wales, actually. So sometimes there's actually a little bit of welsh in the accent um, <laughs> so i basically had my i never lived in where in wales full time but when i went off to university home was then uh wells a little village in in mid wales uh, and they still live there now so that's where i will go go back and see my parents so yeah grew up 16 or so years in down by the sea and then moved to the welsh countryside
0: wow i mean some massive differences i mean beautiful mountains and all that sort of stuff but like lack of sea did you did you kind of do you feel a, a longing for the sea after that or or did, did you not miss it that much
1: no do you know i really miss it and uh, for my 40th birthday Um, my husband took us back to Margate and oh. uh, took the kids and we visited like the street that I grew up on and went down to the beach and the cafe that we used to get ice creams from and it's changed like so much since I was there but it was lovely to go back and sort of relive some of those memories with with my own children it was really nice but I do miss the sea uh, mm. and I do miss the sand although I don't miss the sand sandwiches
0: <laughs> no no I can imagine so that's that's a little bit about kind of your your background and, and, and I like to dive into those sorts of things because I think people like to understand a bit more about leaders and and what, what's kind of got you to the point where you've arrived at today. So yeah. maybe can you describe for us the sort of journey to your current role and, and kind of you know help us understand how you got to where you've got to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question, Ian. Um, so finished university, uh, studied animal science. I was going to save the world. So I was going to go and work for animal charities um, and, say, and save the world. So my first job was for an animal charity. We did lots of work um, around uh, Eastern Europe and looking at sort of the stray dog population and trying to raise money to help there. Um, And I got a little bit disillusioned with it, if I'm honest. And I Mm. felt like we were being very first world about the approach. And it's a bit like we've evolved and done all these great things. But if you could stop doing that because you're impacting, you know, the ecosystem. And I really wasn't sure whether I wanted to do that anymore. And I had a bit of a crisis of, oh, my goodness, I've just spent all this time at university to do this. And I don't know if this is really what I want to do. Um, So I got a temporary job uh, for an energy company, British Gas at the time, so now EDF, um, where I first started working in energy. And I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed working on the systems. It was, you know, only for a short amount of time. And I realized then I had this degree that I wasn't really using. And I thought, what can I do? And I just looked up graduate programs in the area Um, and I applied for quite a few and I ended up being successful for Seven Trent Waters graduate program. So I joined them and I actually was put onto their customer service graduate scheme which is in essence two years of moving around every team within service and operation. So I did billing and operations and sewage treatment and drainage repairs and they gave you a team to manage partway through, project management, performance planning, so I really got a a wonderful cross-section of experience and and I definitely credit that programme with a lot of the future roles that I then got throughout my career and I stayed there for a while and then uh, I got um, enticed away to work for a communications company, a global comms company. They were called Intercall Intercall at the time, but they've had many name iterations since then. And I basically grew up there. So I had, you know, over 10 years uh, working for Intercall. And I moved from a sort of head of department and a senior manager type role across. I had European responsibility and then I had um, more of a global remit. Um, And had my two children while I worked there, so really, like, life changed as I grew up um, and finished there as a vice president of, of EMEA operations, which was fantastic, really big remit, really great autonomy, fantastic company. And then I suddenly looked in the mirror and thought, all I'm doing is working really hard to make shareholders richer. And I really want to be able to go home and look at the kids and tell them that I've done something really worthwhile. And I just felt a little bit, again, disillusioned with, it was a great job, really, you know, great environment, but it was a pound of flesh just to make people wealthier rather than really any sort of um, values-led reason. So at that point, I thought, let's see if I can find myself a a different type of role. Um, And a role had come up at ecotricity. So, you know, the world's first green energy company just down the road, actually, from from me and Stroud and went along there and and ended up as their um, director of operations and customer service. Again, three years or so, really great organisation, lots of local interest. We did lots of projects to save the bees and really great environmental and sustainable projects. Um, And then from there, I moved on to social energy, which is obviously where where we met. Uh, I'd never worked in a startup um, when I joined social energy. I'd always worked in quite big organizations. So I really wanted my CV to have that breadth of experience so that I could show all different types of roles. Uh, So I joined social energy and we set up um, the energy business from scratch. Uh, and it was, a, you know, a great success. We did it actually at, on time, on schedule, we passed all our audits, uh, and, we, you know, it w- went really well. The the battery storage side of it and the AI, AI technology were really innovative, so it was exciting. Um, and then actually got enticed away to to work in my current role, so um, got approached to by a headhunter to see if I was interested, um, met the ceo of of mid counties phil and he is he's fantastic so chatted with him and his vision and his approach really inspired me mm. uh, and and for me it was a great opportunity because it was to look after telecoms and energy which I'd done at various points in my career but never together and to do that for a values-led ethical organization that's yeah. really trying to strive for change and, and and build strength and sustainability within the communities they work um and that's landed me here today.
0: Wow I mean quite a quite a journey so far there Lizzie, I mean, and, and clearly a, there was a couple of points where you decided there was a change that needed to happen, whether it was a, you know, uh, into different industries or whether it was sort of a, from a value point of view. Yeah. Um, w- w- did, th- did that take you a little while to arrive at that, or were you pretty decisive um, in kind of going, Do you know what, this isn't right for me, I need to change, I need to change direction?
1: You know, I would love to tell you I was super decisive and it was like overnight and I knew what I wanted to do. No, not at all. It took me a really long time on both occasions where that's happened to really understand what wasn't working. And I think, you know, as you get more experienced, you understand some of the triggers and some of the behaviours. But but for me, I start to get basically a little bit ratty with my home life. Um, And I find that I don't have time for the kids and it's almost like I'm too busy for my family and that for me is a real trigger because Mm -hmm. they're the most important thing and they're the reason why I do what I do so I've learned now to recognize that much quicker and make some changes so that it is more sustainable but I think no I don't think it's overnight at all and I, I really think it takes a lot of sort of reflectiveness. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot over the years about mindset and sort of having that growth mindset and really looking for opportunity in things. So rather than feeling like a victim and thinking, I don't like this, or I don't want to do this, what about what I do want to do and channel my energy into finding the positive from it, rather than being frustrated with what I don't like. And I think, when you're when I was younger I probably was oh I don't want to do this I was a bit negative about it whereas over time I've learned you know what let's turn that into a positive and just find something that does work for you then if that doesn't work find something that does because you're at work way too many hours to do something that doesn't work for you or your family
0: yes I mean that sounds like a, a real life lesson there is that kind of what how you describe it
1: yeah, and I think your priorities changed. So, you know, when I started the role at Interco, I didn't have any children. So if I had to work late or if I were just making shareholders richer and getting good bonuses, then that was great. But I think once the children had arrived, I, I wanted to do something that was helping make their future more sustainable rather than just, just the the you know the sort of corporate side of life. So no, I think. I think it was definitely a life lesson. And I think everybody goes through those milestone moments, don't they? And I'd I'd probably guess that a lot of women specifically, once they've had children, perhaps have a real reflect on what works and what doesn't, and what's important and what isn't. And, and you can do it all. You just need to to make sure that you make the right decisions so that it works for everybody.
0: Mm, absolutely. I um, mean amongst all of this, So, you know, senior roles, um, busy home life. Is there a a daily routine that you have or is a lack of routine what you appreciate?
1: Oh, it's a real mixture. I am really structured in terms of planning and to-do type lists for work. Yeah. I'm completely disorganised and chaotic in my home life. Um, (laughs) So routine-wise is get up early get the kids sorted get everything done that needs doing if I'm you know if I'm working from home and then I've probably got quite a scheduled day and I've got a to-do list that I know what I need to do or I mean sometimes it just rolls over from day to day doesn't it but much more organized professionally uh, I think from a personal perspective I just like to switch off when I'm not at work so having to make decisions or make plans I I probably shy away from when it comes to home life so yeah more structured day to day than I am sort of weekend wise.
0: Wow and do you think um obviously with the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff do you think that the the kids saw those two different sides of you and overhearing you know calls that you did and kind of hearing you know mummy doing certain things and then seeing you at home do you think they they recognised that or was it not not obvious?
1: Oh, I, they're nine and 11. I think the only thing they're massively interested in is their screen time and, <laughs> and what, what's for pudding. Um, no, do you know, they definitely got to see more of what I do day to day. I mean, I lockdown, I mean, and you'll know this from, from your family life, lockdown was really hard on people trying to work and juggle mm. kids. And I would, I would say, you know, if, if the doors shut, don't come in because it means I'm on a meeting that you can't interrupt. So yeah. unless you really you hurt yourself, You know, it's emergency, don't come in. And they come in and it would be for something like, I can't find my swimming costume. When do you need it? In like six weeks' time. So probably not an emergency. Uh, Yeah, I definitely think they got an insight into work. I don't know. I would imagine it will have been more of a um, sort of subconscious awareness of what's going on. And probably later in life, they'll look back and realise they knew what I was doing. I think for now, they probably just haven't really even considered it Mum, mummy's
0: at work and that's it really yes um and I don't I don't know about you but what I found was and particularly those there were some meetings that you couldn't have children in on and there were some meetings you felt a bit more comfortable but I also found that my relationships because there were, there were kids involved got a little bit better because you, you got to learn a bit more about the other person and and then you got to see the person's children and say hello and and, and that sort of stuff and just felt a bit more comfortable after that I don't know but did you sort of go through the same thing
1: yeah absolutely and I think you got a real insight into people's lives didn't you so you really got to connect on a on a personal level rather than just professionally so you know people are sometimes quite private about about their home life well all of a sudden you were talking to them in their in their space Yeah. So I think it really did. It did do that. And I think it made everybody a bit more human. You know, we might be leading an organisation or leading a team, but I can still have a nine-year-old wander Mm -hmm. in and come on camera and do whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, I think, I think that that just sort of made everybody a bit more real Um, and you just got an insight into people's lives. So I think you became a little bit more authentic because everybody knew you and what they could see in the background or you know what what images they could see behind you yes. um, and I just learned a little bit more about you and your personality
0: yeah no, I think that 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 for me was one of the best things of, of zoom and teams and all those sorts of things is you got to see like at the moment I'm seeing you know you sat in your study with books behind you and th- those are conversation starters or whether there's a, a poster or a piece of art or, or just something yeah. you're kind of really learning about that That person, that if you met that person in an office, it would take you a long time to get to that level of understanding, I think.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and I love it when you see something slightly out of the ordinary in the background. um, And that's always quite nice because it's a real conversation starter, isn't it? It
0: is, definitely. Um, So moving on to something a bit more serious then. Um, I know we've we've had conversation about sort of gender bias and other bias numerous times, yeah. um, but do, do you think in in our generation we're going to see sort of um, either a a balance to, to bias or bias being removed or just a way where we just handle it better? What what, what do you think? What do you think?
1: Well, do you know, I am going to give you the eternal optimist view on this one, because I think we have to hope for that to happen. So we have to believe that that's going to happen because it's the only way forward. And, you know, I was at a meeting yesterday and the inclusion and the diversity and the acceptance of people's personalities and differences was so apparent and it was so refreshing to see that and experience that in a in a big room with lots of people, and I I think I think it's hard, and I think that there's more of it than perhaps I ever realised. But I think it's great, and we've got to celebrate the successes when they happen, and just keep moving us forward, and keep holding up these meetings and these experiences that that do ignore bias and just move forward. Um, and I think the more we do that, the less comfortable. And the less able biases to get into the room, mm.
0: yeah, um, definitely. definitely. And I, I think, yeah, that, yeah I, I've in, in doing these podcasts actually, I've learned a lot about my own bias, um, that's been uh both conscious and unconscious, yeah. Um, and I've learned a lot about that, uh, and I guess the biggest thing for me has been. Ask the question, say the thing, because if if the other person then says, "Well, I think that's a biased view," you get into the conversation. Whereas previously, I, I was probably a little bit more reticent to get into the conversation, but now I see that as a as a as a positive thing, because you can kind of go, "Well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm approaching things with with compassion and empathy, and I, I really want to sort of." learn and, and move on but here's what I thought um, and yeah. you know that, that that may well be wrong and of course I'm a I'm a product of growing up the, in the Welsh Valleys where mm-hmm. diversity wasn't necessarily something that I learned from an early age I've learned along the way about a lot of those things um but yeah I I, th- I think we will continue to develop and continue to Get better at understanding bias and challenging bias and um, and, and dealing with it better. Um, but but I think you know the the as humans we all kind of tribe together, don't we? We all look for people that are similar to us. So I think we'll always have bias in some form, but we're yeah. definitely getting better at calling it out, challenging it, learning from each other, but also understanding that having different sets of people together make for a better outcome of anything.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, on the subject of bias and just those sorts of things, I think the more we, like you say, the more we talk about it, the better, you know, we only need to look at how far we've come with mental health and mental well-being. that, you know, I can remember a time where you wouldn't have had a conversation with anybody about whether they were struggling with their mental health. Whereas mm-hmm. now we comfortably have the conversations, you know, we 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 understand it, we support it, we talk freely about it. And you know, 20 years ago, that was that was not the case. So we've moved mountains and in, in, in that area in yeah. 20 years. So I just think we can continue to do the same with with bias across the board. I think so.
0: So so thinking about the future, then this is something that I ask everybody in these podcasts, is so. You know, even in this short space of time, you've had a fantastic career. Where next for, for you and your life?
1: Yeah, do you know, um, I guess from a personal perspective, my children are moving into a, an age where they're less reliant actually, the truth of it is they really don't want me around unless I'm dropping them off somewhere for them to do something cool. Um, And I think that changes the dynamic again, doesn't it? Because, you know, I'm going to have the next five years or so being a chauffeur and getting them where they need to get to. And and then they're going to not want to be around at all. And they're going to be off doing their own thing. So I think that's going to really change that dynamic for uh, myself and my husband in terms of we might even have some free time you know mm-hmm. that would be that would be amazing. I think professionally i've never had a career plan um because i've always gone with a little bit of instinct and and for me i now know that the values of fairness and ethics and integrity are absolutely core cool to me thriving in a in a workplace so i will continue to look for that when i work and if that isn't there i will find it in another organization um, and i think that we are seeing more and more ethical sustainable values-led organizations because people are becoming more demanding that that's where they want to work yeah um so for me that's the overarching plan there isn't a master plan that knows what that looks like from year to year but it needs to feel right and i need to feel like i add value in wherever i am so if i add value and we're doing the right thing then that is where i want to be
0: yes and that you know because you you see so much these days about you must have a plan and you must wake up at five o'clock in the morning to do your yoga, and then your breakfast, and then your meetings and all this sort of stuff. And and this kind of perfect existence. And I suppose what I'm trying to uncover in these podcasts is is leaders, successful leaders like yourself, that have, you know, etched out a a wonderful career, haven't, you know, everybody does things differently. And where you've arrived at has been where you've arrived at because that's kind of how you got there. so it's, it's just really cool for me, I think, that you've got this really wonderful career that you've already had, yet you didn't kind of sit there and kind of write all this stuff down. You didn't say, right, well, here's my career plan, here's my goal. You've naturally kind of seen things in front of you. And I guess from a, using a rugby analogy, you've played the game in front of you. you? You've kind of yeah. seen what's in front of you and you've adapted there and there.
1: And, you know, what? I just don't see for me anyway, I wouldn't have been able to do it any other way because, you know, I you get too tied in. I need to be here at this point and I need to be comparing myself to someone else. And, you know, you're just going to end up with a life of misery. You know, for me, if I could talk to my younger self and say anything, it would be, you know, go with your gut, go with your instincts, continue to be yourself. And that won't work for everybody because that will work in the right situations but don't be afraid to get it wrong you know take a bold career move and give it a go and if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world because you can make another one and I think we can sometimes get frightened about making a wrong decision and what's that going to look like on our CV but life's an evolution and so is your CV so I think you know I, I for me definitely no master plan definitely no forward plan but know what's important and know where my red lines are and Mm. make sure I work within them and I think that for me has been the only way that I've been able to do it and you know everybody's different but but for for me that that's what's worked
0: yes that seems like a really cool place to stop actually (laughs) really a good place to kind of end on with some really good messages for anybody listening actually that are just starting their career and wondering do I need to write things out or not so Lizzie wonderful uh to talk to you again and, and get your thoughts on all of these different things and and I'm really interested to see what happens next in in, in your career and, and where you go next with that so thanks for your time today I've really appreciated that
1: you're really, really very welcome it's always a pleasure to talk to you so thank you for having me
0: Cheers, Lizzie. um And as always, um, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell us others about us. And just finally, you know, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, uh, and we're here to help make that difference. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the join us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on LinkedIn to jump into the discussions we have there. For now, goodbye and we'll speak again soon.